Welcome, friends, to Radio Free Muncie, broadcasting from the back of a van somewhere in the Muncie greater metropolitan area, and your source for reviews and discussion of the Knights of the Dinner Table comic created by Jolly Blackburn, published by Kenzer & Company. So jump onto your Vespa, ride down to the games pit, crack open your dice bag, and grab a character sheet. It's game on. Do you need information about a 40-year-old game now? Then you need to listen to the Save for Half podcast, the podcast dedicated to talking about some of the oldest games out there. We make sure that you get your old-school gaming information piping hot in under an hour or your money back. Old School Gaming is a division of Old Men Screaming at Clouds. Old Men Screaming at Clouds is an affiliate company of old ladies talking to cats and wholly owned by the Mud Puppy Games Network. We're still here. Sun's gone down. All the classic cars are gone. And we're still freaking talking about comic books like a bunch of nerds. Hey, well, that's where we are. Well, we're not a bunch. If the shoe fits. We're only three. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and get started here. So the next piece of feedback we've, we got from Master Sergeant William Cone wrote us an email. It very detailed, very well thought out. Dude, this guy has really got his shit together, man. Um, he like he's like, yeah, I was listening to this while I was running, and then he comes back and he he wrote us two full, yeah, pages of like font size ten notes. I mean, on it, it's kind of like like the notes I have when I I'm going through the strip. Like it's a lot of really detailed comments, man. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go through some of these here, and then you guys can com- comment on them. Yeah, and the thing about it is he listens to this while he runs, and then later he sits down and responds. If, yeah. when I, if I listen to something, 10 minutes later, I have no idea what I listen to. Well, much this guy is clearly much yeah. smarter than you are. I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. He's, this guy, he's a pretty smart guy. I guess that's my point. Okay, so taking it from the top here. Uh, he mentions uh, being stuck in a field training exercise, so that's why I didn't comment on the last one. He thinks Jolly was probably busy with with. Yeah, which he was. He's definitely busy with yeah. Origins, and although Jolly didn't go to Origins, I don't think. Oh yeah, that's right. But yeah, I think he had something busy else with going Gen- on. He's busy with Gen Con though. Yeah, I don't think Kendra goes to Origins anymore. Yeah, which is a bummer. Origins that used to be my go-to con. The bar bar on too. I'm starting to like Origins as much as Gen Con in a lot of ways. Yeah. One thing he mentions here though that I thought was great, because remember I was saying how I missed out on Forgotten Realms and all that and I didn't really get it. But he was like, Forgotten Realms is a second favorite setting. Planescape is number one. I freaking love Planescape. I never played it, but I I've read like I, cause like, and I think I've mentioned this, like, I don't really read game books, right? To me, they're like reference manuals for the most part. And I tend to read as much as I need and then I make the rest up, right? Especially setting books. But I've read a, probably a dozen of the Planescape books, like cover to cover. Cause cool. I just love the setting. I love it. Yeah. Whole- it's a, it's a good setting. Yeah. It's a good setting to kind of, kind of branch off of, like a normal prime material setting, right. like yeah. you get high enough level, then you, Planescapes comes in. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was in the yeah. second edition of Forgotten Realms campaign, and we had visited Sigil at one point, trying to track down somebody that we wanted to sacrifice to Gonador. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was the only evil campaign that I ever played in that didn't fall apart instantly. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've got a very long-running face-to-face D&D campaign right now that we're either going to end it in the next six to eight months or we're going to transition to Planescape if they want to run a really high level. Because they're all like 16th level, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's getting... Yeah, it's getting pretty tough to have reasonable encounters, but... Yeah. Uh, he mentioned skills and powers was filled with cool stuff that no DM would allow because it was too confusing would break the game. I agree with that. Talks about second edition book counts. He has a single shelf of 2E books and two shelves of 3 slash 3.5E books. Well, it sounds like he's moving around a lot. So the fact that him having a shelf of gaming books is probably like me having a whole the whole room of gaming books that I have because he mentions he has to move around a lot. But yeah, that's cool, man. I like his early DM story. He's talking about how they didn't know how to read four-sided dice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in 79, his friends and him started playing and decided that you use the D4 by picking it up and adding the numbers on the side against the ground. We figured that was right because wizards are super powerful and magic <laughs> missiles use the D4. And hey, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a cool idea. I wonder though, I, I wonder if like all of the, it would all wind up being about the same. Huh, yeah. I don't you know, know what I mean? Because it's start averaging because the sides would tend to have like a one, two, and a four. Or you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, um they figured it out. And everybody I can't even think of the number of things that we got wrong when we were Oh yeah, there's so many of them. Yeah. yeah what's um what's LGS? He said never liked L what was LGS? Long John Silvers. Oh Long John Silvers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I did talk about Long John Silvers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it was uh Brian's uh yeah. And we, we have really good Long John Silvers around here and uh if you're into that kind of thing, but it's Long John Silvers is one of those planes that like once a year, I'm like, all right, I got to go to Long John Silver's. And then I'm good for like a year. Yeah. I'll need to go back. But I have to, like, once I start getting it in my head, I'm like, all right, I got to I gotta get this over with. So and then, he, and then he comments about battle maps killing mapping by players. I think there's a lot of truth. To that. I don't know what his comment about lazy DMs is, though. Lazy DMs, like, we have to prepare battle maps now it used to be like i could just have some notes and kind of have a hand-drawn sketch and describe the room and make players map it out now i have to buy or make a battle map it's actually a lot worse from my perspective like i do a lot more work yeah especially if you're doing it on roll 20 you got to set up dynamic lighting and all that stuff that takes yeah, a long but, time but even even you know like if you have a table and you got to put a battle map, I have a, I, I, a lot of people may not know this, but I have a TV built into my gaming table. And I know that's come, become a lot more common these days, um, but you still got to have the maps. And so like I back Patreons and I bought maps and like, and they're never quite right. Then you got to modify them. Like I've got an Adobe subscription so I can create maps. I've got like hundreds of dollars in campaign cartographers so I can make maps like so I don't get the lazy DM well, thing. If you are a lazy DM, you could get by with just like stock maps and stuff. And you you wouldn't necessarily have to 
take it to the level that you have. I probably go overboard. I used to have a whiteboard. I would just set a whiteboard on the table and I would draw it. Like with yeah. white, you know, that's, that would be kind of back easy. in the day. I remember like before whiteboards were like really common and, and popular. It was, how can I get my hands on an overhead projector? Yeah. Change my deeming life. Yeah. You know, big fan humming, you know, heating a room up and staring into a light. And then, you know, the wet erase, so they're kind of a pain in the ass to deal with. Uh, man, I wanted one of those so bad. I never got my hands on one. Thank God. <laughs> I like the I like the uh, po- pose it, uh, the post-it notes uh, with the fog of war peel off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you guys ever done that? Like, yeah, cover- I have. I've, I've done it with squares of squares of paper or cardboard and i've had to do it with 3d setups where you use like cloth to cover up the rooms yeah um i don't think i've ever used post-it notes though and that's a good idea i actually have have you ever used clear post-it notes that doesn't really help much no if you want to put a something like if you've got a map you want to mark your map up you could put a clear post-it note and mark something on the map huh. no i've never done that's stupid <laughs> <laughs> have you guys ever used uh gift wrap paper no the back side is one inch squares oh yeah you're right man gosh there's a company um called gamer paper and they started out by basically doing like rolls of like butcher paper with a grid on it and oh, that's cool. a pretty neat idea i've got a couple rolls of it i haven't really the thing is like i i spend too much money on gaming so i have like 42 different ways to do everything i have I have map tiles. I've got 3D printed crap. I've got 3D stuff I bought. I've got a TV built into my thing. I've got battle maps, like paper battle maps I bought. Just so many things. Nowadays, there's like, well, if you have enough money to spend, let's be real, right? Then there's a lot of options. But back in the day, it was, you describe the room and they drew the map and that's their freaking map, yep, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah. So, uh. I really liked his whole thing. I didn't understand like all of it. Like he got into some specifics about it, but I really like his analysis about the whole metal thing. And I'm glad he yeah. commented on it because the, the the implication really was like back to the whole military medals and wearing them on your badge. And I, and his comment about like how soldiers like will assess, assess another soldier based on those ribbons right like and are they real ribbons are they the important ribbons are they the important ribbons like that show that you've really done like real soldiering or like, like was and i've heard this term before he what he called oh yeah rear echelon mother yeah. about the remf so are you a remf like jolly was yeah <laughs> right or were you like a, a soldier soldier, you know, someone who's been in combat or gone through combat training or certain types of schools and things. And that was pretty cool. But then he also said, and, and this is, this is, I think this is probably true too, because I see this at work. I think this is like across all industries and all things where sometimes the award, when the people who get the awards are the ones who are most visible to their boss or whoever hands out the awards yes. and not for the things that you do that are really impactful and important. Right. Yeah. That's a real thing, man. That yeah. like, Oh yeah. That, that's not just a military thing. Yeah. That's a, yeah. yeah. The story he tells is funny that he gets, he gets an award for basically directing a brigadier general to the nearest port of pocket. <laughs> yeah. He got, 
and he got a ARCOM award. I'm not sure what that stands for, but yeah. He says, hey, the bathroom's over here, and the guy's like, cool. Give, Dude, the, give the, that man the, a medal. <laughs> the easiest way to get promotion a promotion, like, I know, maybe not the easiest, but this I've seen this kind of thing happen is just do any kind of work close to senior executives. Yeah. Because they tend to notice the things that are directly next to them and the things that are further away, it's like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. And if they like you because you fixed their computer or you did whatever, that's how that's human nature, man. That's how it works. And it's not fair and it kind of sucks, but that's kind of how it works, you know. Oh, and he made a great point. Bob Bob wears glasses, dude. Yeah. The paper cut thing. How do you get a paper cut? In his How do you get a paper He's wearing glasses. For that's, a, that's somebody rolling a natural one twice in a row. I don't know. You know what it reminded me of is uh, um, I was watching the gamers, Dorkness Rising with my son the other day. Um, and and I probably mentioned before, I love Zombie Orpheus, like all their stuff, right? I go to their shows and everything and back their Kickstarters and whatnot. But um, and in the end, and it's not the end end, but near the end, this guy who's playing a bard, and the guy's been dying through the whole freaking movie because bards suck, right? And um, he goes, there's a book that is like the power source for the main villain. And they realize, and they're like, the book! You got to destroy the book! And everybody's getting their ass kicked. And he finds himself standing next to the book. And he's like, I stabbed the book! And he goes, no, I backstab it! And it's pretty funny. It's like, yeah. Boy, you can't backstab a book it doesn't have any anatomy he's like it's got a spine doesn't it that's great but then he goes to stab it and he rolls a one and stabs himself in the stomach and kills himself like that's bob with getting a paper cut right <laughs> yeah all right oh, so, sorry, sorry for the little gamer story there but oh that's a great right. movie if you haven't seen it you should watch it i think it's on i think it's on youtube actually but yeah, I think a lot of their stuff is. Yeah, the hostilities thing. And then he finishes up talking about hostilities. You know, yeah. Not too much. I don't think anybody really has. How could it, How could a gaming group survive if they really fought? Like, physically fought? Like, Yeah. Oh, and you know what? He had a couple of, uh, you might be a gamer. Oh, yeah. Oh, he also mentions that Bre- I, I mentioned brevity is a soul of wit. That's from Hamlet. He's, he, he, uh, observes that, yeah, it's from one of the longest plays ever written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, the, the, uh, eighties trope also he talks about is, uh, we would not see each other over family vacations camp. So you would get back and try to talk about how cool your summer was. And he thinks that's where the, Hey, I met this, you know, my girlfriend who lives in Canada or whatever. I met her at the beach, you know, she was at the beach with her family. And yeah, I totally can see that. Yeah. He even mentioned Greece. Like, and I remember watching Greece when I was like in uh, junior high or early high, like junior high, I think, or maybe early high school. And, uh, yeah, exact same thing about the girlfriend you meet over the summer. Yeah, or, yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, so his might be a gamers. You might be a gamer if you have a list of cantrips and first level spells you would use for making your daily life better. If you could, yeah. If you could, if only. Yeah, if only. Yeah, I've uh, daydreamed about that many times. And mending is all I need. Well, and he's mentioning endure elements for being yeah. in field exercise. I can believe it. my my brother was in the 82nd Airborne. I used to hear about some of the shit that yeah. some of the they were out in the field a lot, you know. And uh, 
yeah, it doesn't sound like super fun time, <laughs> depending on where you're at. So, all right. Well, thank you, Master Sergeant. Yep. That was a great letter. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Before I forget, I got another quick shout out. While I was in uh, Indianapolis, I went and visited another listener, Walter Walensky. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, went over to visit him for a bit, and he gifted me with a uh, couple of items from our dice sponsor, Black Oak Workshop. He gave me a couple Ooh. of the adventure calendars in one of the dice towers. He gave you a couple of adventure man, calendars? people give you what shit. Those hell? things cost money, man. Like real money. Yeah, those things man. are cool. The dice towers are uh, 3D printed and hand painted by our our man Steve Lawrence here. Well, and I just got to mention because um, I, I I do have a license with Fat Dragon Games, and it's most of those dice towers are their models. I've modified them quite a bit, right? But Fat Dragon Tom Tullis has done more for 3D printing in the gaming world than anybody, in my opinion. They're really cool. So go check oh, yeah. those out, man. You can buy that stuff and it's not that expensive. It's print printing. If you don't have a printer, right, that's the problem. But Yeah, they just had uh, their uh, ultimate GM screen 3D printer on sale on drive-thru a few days ago for like four. Yeah, bucks. and that's actually, oh, sorry. Um, that's actually where the dice tower comes from. There you go. It's a, it's a modification of that. And, and another guy did the modification and there's a whole community around around the fat dragon open lock stuff. Yeah. That, that's one of the companies that's definitely evolved with uh, the technology. Cause they started out with just the, uh, the uh, 2d stuff to print out and paste together. And then, yeah. And then when Tom got yeah. into the 3d printing, they evolved into that. And, and, and Tom's Tom. Well, I'm not going to say he's cool. Cause he, <laughs> anybody who knows Tom knows he's can be kind of a dick sometimes, but, um, but he's he he'd be proud of that. Uh, that's not me trashing him. He would he would he would be proud of the fact that I called him a dick. I think. But um, <laughs> even back when it was the two D stuff. Um, I went by his booth. And I asked him if I could use some of the textures in my battle maps that I was making, like on campaign cartographer and that. And he's like, oh yeah, no, that's cool. Just put our name in the bottom, you know that. And so he's always been really open with his IP and sharing and building the community and all that. So. Yeah, I, I think Tom's a great guy. He'd be mad about me saying that probably more than saying he's <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So Yeah, I think you ran into him at, at uh Gary Con when we were hanging out. He seemed like a decent guy. He he is. He is. I mean, he's got like a Facebook persona, but um I think he revels in it. I think he <laughs> I think he likes it, you know. Like yeah. like we were at I, I don't I might have told this story already, but we were at uh Game uh yeah, Gamehole Con and I ran into him and I was like, Hey, how you doing? You know, and I said, Yeah, you you're a pretty nice guy to talk to, even though on 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 Facebook, you know, you're always saying like acting like a jerk. Like, yeah, 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 you know. And then we walk over to this booth and they have a thing where they're giving out a ribbon if you can answer these questions and you gotta answer the questions to get the final ribbon ribbon. And I had one of them on my thing because I was doing it for fun, you know. And uh, he walks up and he says to the to the the person running the booth, he's like, "Hey, can I get one of those?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, sure, Tom, for you, no problem." And then he turns around to me after I just got done saying what a nice guy he is, and he did this on purpose. He turns around <laughs> to me and he says, "You know why they gave me that ribbon?" And I'm like, "No, why?" And he goes, 
because I'm somebody and you're nobody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. This guy's a freaking Don Rickles. Yeah, he's like Don Rickles. It's kind of like a Don Rickles thing, I think. Who knows? I mean, I don't know what's in his heart of hearts. He could be the biggest asshole deep down. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but but like yeah. when you're chatting with him, no, he's he's pretty cool. But then like shit like that comes out. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I dig it. So the uh, next strip is the share giver. The share giver. The share giver, yeah. Brian's intro is three weeks later, having learned the secrets of Bag World through the J Doc. They for, they're forming an expeditionary party to enter Bag World through uh, Bob's fanny pack, hoping to outflank Behringer and claim victory. All right. Well, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I don't know what they're going to put through the opening of a fanny pack. Yeah. But I bet it's going to be a lot of stuff that wouldn't fit through the opening of a fanny pack. <laughs> Well, it does mention in Lotus's journal that uh, they got all of the wagons through and the soldiers are reassembling them now. Yeah, but, dude, it's a fanny pack. Yeah. Like, how are they getting a wagon wheel in there? How are they getting a horse in there? I mean, you know what I mean? It's, I think, I think Jolly messed up, man. He should have had something bigger, like a chest. <sighs> It's a fanny pack. I know. That's the, that's the hilarious. It had to be a fanny pack. Yeah, like the one hilarious. that they landed on had to be a fanny pack. And BA, and what's BA? Is BA doing the thing that would shut it down and being like, yeah, so you got a fanny pack. What are you going to do? Like drop some acorns in there or something? Like, yeah. It's a, you know, but no, he doesn't do that. He, he lets it go. And, he lets them put a horse through a fanny pack. How does that even? But he doesn't do anything about it, right? Like, And this is B.A. not being a very good dungeon master, you know? Because you guys know, like, like um, it's okay to let kind of fantastical stuff happen, right? Like, that's fine. But, but when it's starting to, like, work against your game or or it's being done purely for like metagame evil revenge or he's like not even good reason. It's like, just say, no, dude, you can't fit that through the opening, you know? Oh yeah. You can do all that crazy stuff, but you can't do that. Yep. And they yes. introduce a, a new leader of their guys, Sergeant McGreevy. I keep hearing McCready. It's gone. McCready. Yeah. From uh freaking uh, the thing. Yeah. The thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But McCreevy, that's cool too. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you just said McCready, not McGreevy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, it's here that uh, he informs the group that all the wagons are in the fanny pack and it reassembled. They <laughs> got a wagon in a fanny pack. Well, they did took it apart in one board at a time. Yeah, fed it through the fed it through. The, I mean, that's that's how you'd have to do it. But like a wagon wheel, like I they must have rebuilt them in there. But it'd be pretty tight for even a person getting through an opening like that, right? Maybe they starved him down for a couple months, got him real skinny, and then pushed him through and then dumped a bunch of hot dogs in after him, fattened him so, back uh, up. He lets them know that they're getting the provisions loaded and they're ready for more orders. Well, in, in the whole thing, what? what? Bob and Brian both give him praise immediately. Knew we could rely on you, yet he's got a great attitude. 
Well, and this is setting up the whole thing about this, right? Yes, is, exactly. Wow, the NPCs are doing their job. But but you know what? I mean, this guy didn't sound any different from uh Behringer. Behringer did a great job too. Yeah. You know? He actually really did. Yeah. So what happens next? Well, the first panel is the next page where it all starts going sideways in Brian's mind. Uh, Bob informs Sergeant that uh, he just earned an extra share for a job well done, which everybody seems to uh, have no problem with that except for Brian. Yeah, because Brian thinks they're being too nice to NPCs. You know, as we're going through this, though, remember, they never say what a share is. Yeah, right. Right? So they could have broken all the treasure up into a million shares and be giving these guys yeah a, a hundred shares for them like it could who like who knows what it means it probably is something like that yeah this just seems like such a yeah. a thing to get all upset about but that's brian brian's a jerk man yeah yep the, these are freaking npcs not your blood relatives <laughs> yeah of course bob lets him know that it was sarah's idea because it was sarah's idea right yes yes says uh I had my doubts, but uh, look at the results. These men are hauling ass. She said uh, they were giving them positions of little ownership, which Brian flips out again. You don't give shares to NPCs. Yeah. Then you start pointing out the loyalty modifiers and all that stuff. Yes, but this gets right back to this gets right back to just him wanting to game the system, like with np like what is it with npcs like because they're they're probably spending less money doing it sarah's way right and it actually works instead of like what brian saw and i like how the, i this strip kind of flips sarah a little bit because she really goes after him in it but in the end you know but uh at least she pushes back you know yep. she's got the beginning of the really pissed face in the last three panels and you know, I didn't even get the one. So he said, uh, uh, Brian goes, keep forgetting that the rules are written by a game master. You've got to go beyond the rules, reach between the lines and make them work for you, right? Yeah, that's something Brian would say. But then Sarah says, what are you saying? We should cheat? And I didn't understand. I didn't understand what where cheating came in. Um, I'm, I don't know if she means cheat at the rules. I think she means cheat the soldiers that they're hiring. Well, I don't know. I, I kind of see her point because he's saying reach between the lines, make it. He's kind of implying that maybe you're not breaking the rules, but you're bending them. And so I think she's just kind of calling him out on it. Like, hey, are we going to play fair or not? Yeah. And he says, you can't, you, you can't let the rules master you. You yeah. got to master the rules, you know. But um, I think it's more like with, with Brian, you have to bully or gaslight your dm into doing what yeah interpreting exactly. the rules in such a loose way that you can get away with anything Ex yeah you know? exactly i mean some of the modifiers well yeah i mean it's it's just i think it's just the universe you know yeah they start going into all their loyalty modifiers and that and brian's like but i canceled that minus five by getting the rousing speech and convincing them they're embarking on a noble cause the way he phrases that it's obvious he's lying to them Oh, yeah, yeah. And those are all things that he has to be successful at doing and whatnot. You know what I right. mean? That can fail. And I don't think, for all Brian's sort of mastery, I, I mean, he doesn't really seem to be very good at 
like like his schemes do fail on a pretty regular basis. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the thing that stood out for me that because you know we were talking before about the the um, the gamers movie I mentioned. I think I mentioned it a couple times, but there's a line in there about being lawful stupid when they're going to torture this dude, and lawful stupid comes up here. Yep. For so a couple things. First of all, Brian's character is lawful good. Which tells you everything you need to know about BA's relationship with Brian as far as enforcing any kind of what don't forget he's got the medal from the from the from uh, issue six adherence to alignment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a great tie back, man. Because <laughs> he he doesn't act anywhere near lawful or well, maybe lawful, I guess, because he wants obedience, but but good? No, not at all. I don't think so. But I don't know why Dave is saying it's lawful stupid in this case, right? Like well, lawful stupid is usually like you won't torture somebody to get information. Or what does Dave know that? No, Dave is pretty stupid. That's for sure. And I, I like where Brian I, agrees with him, though. Brian even says that if one of us fake our death, we can guilt them into uh, taking half pay using his ring of martyrdom. Just another way to have to not pay him as much as they agree to. Yeah. And here's the thing, like, how much, like, it, it's like the money is like a score to these guys or something. Because how yeah. much, like, think about the D&D campaigns. Here. And keep in mind, they have tw- or 40, what, 43 containers of hefty capacity or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. BA said, he said this, how much, how much was in that bag? Wes, you were telling me because we didn't want to destroy it with, uh, we didn't want to destroy it, right? So, uh, how much it was like? It was like a million gold pieces, right? Right. Yeah. When it started, yeah. Do you remember the line BA said about you guys could replace all of that with a few months adventuring? Yeah. Right. Like I don't under. They have all the gold, all the magic, all the everything they could possibly want. And they could get more and be more successful if they just pay. Like the logic is so screwed. It's so screwed up. But think about this campaign they're in, man. They can replace a million gold pieces in a a few adventures. Couple months of dungeon crawling. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's funny. I saw this today on the on the uh, night of the dinner table Facebook page. Uh, A cat named Kenneth Butler. Hopefully he listens to the show. Very, very likely he does not. But in case he does, Kenneth Butler, he posted one of those alignment charts with like Knights of the Dinner Table characters. And damn, he pegged it at the bottom left. Brian Van Hoos, Lawful Evil. evil. Yep. Yep. He's spot on. (laughs) He is no way in hell good. He's never done anything good in his life. No. You know? Then after the whole uh, lawful stupid comment goes off, Sarah goes off. You want to talk lawful stupid? How many hiring revolts have we had to endure because of you're reaping what you sow? You, you see, and that's what I'm saying. Like we're seeing, we're seeing a little glimpse into it. Um, but I don't know that Brian is the big mastermind that he thinks he is, and that they kind of talk about him as. Like how many NPC revolts have there been because he was trying to shave these morale points off without yeah. spending gold, you know? And of course, is he playing stupid or actually stupid that uh, I'm not sure I catch your drift? 
<laughs> right. Like he doesn't, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it at all. He doesn't. And, and Sarah, this is, I, I think this might be the first time Sarah's really gotten aggressive with Brian. I mean, cause she calls him brainiac. Usually she reserves that kind of stuff for Dave mm-hmm. or, or Bob, you know, but I don't think she's ever been like, Hey, Brian moron, you know, the way, I mean, you know, like she used to talk to, used to talk to Dave and, uh, Bob, Bob, like that all the time. Yeah, idiots, cue ball, cue ball, yeah. You know, like just a. But she's never done this to Brian. She might have said, "Oh, maybe, maybe you're being a little too this, or maybe you made a mistake, or whatever." She's never been like you read books. You're so brainiac. (laughs) She's always been very diplomatic about it in the past. Yeah. Yep. And of course, she just starts pointing out everything left and right, and he. Of course, Brian won't accept the blame for it. No, that was the right. That's curse, not me. Yeah, that's that's just it. This is like a glimpse. It's like I almost wonder who wrote this strip. This because this is a little different. Where this this is a jolly strip according to the fr- first page, which means Barb wrote it. <laughs> no, I wonder what think, Barb was thinking when she wrote. Yeah, I think Barb might have been trying to expo- expose Brian here. No, I mean I don't know. Maybe she influenced it, but I'm pretty sure Jolly writes all. Barb does a ton of work, but I think Jolly. Does oh yeah, from what, from what Jolly says, Barb does a lot of uh, gives a lot of feedback on everything before they go to print. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I I just wonder because like we are kind of seeing Brian exposed as like like there is a facade there that I think is there ninety nine percent of the time in all the comics that and that. And, it, and that facade is based on the premise that Brian is actually really, really smart. And this is like, we're getting a glimpse at maybe he's really not that smart. Maybe he's just so like so much like a bulldog that everybody tells him he's smart, but like his little schemes and plans and things fall apart all the time. I mean, even the, even the, uh, KODT live action series and all that. It all starts on his failed scheming. Yeah. Right. How many times were Brian's schemes just like stupid from the beginning, but he can, but he's so good at convincing people that, yeah. you know, and so Sarah goes on and constantly listing more and more things that have caused the revolts. <laughs> and he's like, what you're bringing the lynching up again. I thought that was water <laughs> under the bridge. Yeah. What is this pick on Brian Day? He says at yeah. one point. It is kind of pick on Brian Day, like, right? And there aren't very many in the series. I mean, other than them making him have a a a, a, a breakdown over over a fake girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> that death strip is so sad, man. It's <laughs> it makes me cringe. I mean, I get the joke and we talked about it, but yeah, that's still cracking up the last two panels. The last one are just sitting there and Dave's pissed off. I was like, can't believe he didn't invite me to this wedding, the pastor. Yeah, well, that's the that yeah that salvages it, man. I just keep thinking about that strip like with this with Brian, you know, like they beat him down. Man. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> they would not let him off the hook. And and then his speech at the end was was kind of pathetic you know like he made you sympathetic for the guy but um i don't think he's necessarily all that and i think we're seeing that in this strip yeah of course brian tries to turn on sarah that telling her that most of their npc problems are her fault so yep try just trying to turn it and put her on the defensive which at first it looks like he's not gonna right 
But then he starts to kind of, kind of get there. But I love how Sarah calls him out. Yeah. Right. Like, because he starts listing all octane, octane and, um, uh, all these things that she's done to try to be nice to NPCs that have gone bad. And I love what she says. And this is the truth. You certainly have a knack for twisting the truth, Brian, you know that. And that's exactly like the perfect, that's where like that, that almost sounds like Barb to me, man. Like some, some of this strip does feel a little bit like Barb. Maybe she had a little more influence on this one or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like he brings up the uh, dwarf with the sucking chest wound. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, the dang. sucking chest wound. And and honestly though, think about some of the stuff BA's done, right? Like you 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 see their paranoia and and uh killing NPCs and thinking everything they see that's a little unusual, they gotta go investigate because it's magic or treasure or whatever. Like, how much of that has BA groomed into them also? Because every now and then we get a little glimpse of that. Like, I don't have a specific example, but it seems like every now and then we, like, well, like the magic guy was like, B.A. is putting magic stuff all over the place. Yeah. You know what I mean? He does have NPCs that screw them over at the last minute. We've seen that in, in lots of the strips. So, like, Brian's got a little bit of a point here in a way, but he is twisting the truth. Yeah. Now, one thing not related directly to the story here is all the footnotes on all of the things we're talking about, Tuzzy, or you can go back and read the stories. Yeah, we talked about some of them, like How Now, Brown Cow. Yeah. I, I, um, I love the the little, Sarah's little retort there. He's like, you knobby foot turned on us and killed killed the magic cow and his net. And then she's just like dead. It's like I can hear her voice deadpan. But you guys were going to eat Nobby. Yeah. Like he's leaving out the bad stuff they did, you know. Everything that he tries to turn on her, he leaves out the stuff that uh, they caused. Yeah, exactly. It's all the bad stuff that happened to them, but why it happened is completely left out. And then she's like, that's where she's saying, like, you're twisting the truth. You're mm -hmm. saying, you know, he's saying the truth, kind of, but not really. And we get a Sarah pointing the fingers. Oh, now. <laughs> yep. With the... Uh, the badly drawn hand recolored for Sarah's fingernails. <laughs> she has very nice uh, fingernail, pink pink fingernail polish. That they match her shirt. In case anyone was wondering. Order. Yeah, and she's and she's right. Like they've been messing around with this for six months because they probably would have lost a couple thousand gold pieces yeah. out of a million to pay those NPCs. Yeah. Yep. So she's really right. Yeah, they spent more money trying to get the money back than they lost, would have lost. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot. So Brian vetoes the the, the shares, which, like I said, is kind of dumb in a way because, especially on his part, he should he should just f figure, well, uh, later on I'll negotiate what a share is. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like a stock option. So you can split and you can have class A and class B. Like he, he I, I, it seems like he would take more of that angle than trying to stop it, but he's super cheap and chintzy. And yeah, so they get into it even more, saying that these guys been working himself to death to get a cut in the booty and that she's put her personal reputation and vouched for the party's honor. And typical Brian, who cares what they think, they're just NPCs. Yeah. What is, hey, you're a cat person, right, George? You like cats, don't you? 
cats. I love cats. Yeah. What is what is when Brian says tough kitty toenails? Tough kitty toenails. Is that like have you guys ever heard that saying before? Not, I no. have not. No. Like it really stood out to me. Like, yeah, I've never heard that before. Yeah, I haven't either. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's a Muncie thing. It could be. Then uh, Sarah drops the bomb ultimatum, saying that she's the liaison because she's got a good track record with NPCs, and if they insist on interfering, she's going to tell the men they can't be trusted and walk. Which, honestly, probably wouldn't matter because he would cast a charm spell over him or something, and yeah. DA would let him do it. <laughs> it would all be fine, but... I'm glad she. I'm glad she like lays down the law though mm-hmm. with Brian, and you see he backs down, but he doesn't agree. He's still going to circle right. back and try to. Yeah, he just concedes to shut her up and make her happy. Yeah, he's kind of a sociopath, man. He's kind of like that, you know. He just, uh, in his own mind, he will never admit he's wrong. Not at all. Not even a crack. Not even a bit of uncertainty, man. It's all. It's all tactical. Yeah. Jolly will probably tell me, no, he's actually a good guy. Yeah. He's just he's just uh misunderstood. Misunderstood. I, I have bought into the uh the fact that he's role playing in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Once I thought the more I thought about it, he's definitely role playing as a he's a hero in his own head. And that's part of his the fact that he's a he's a uh psychopath. <laughs> so yeah. not a psychopath, a sociopath. So uh, Sarah takes the lead here, tells Bob to get a list of hirelings that uh, she feels are deserving of extra shares and pass pass so she can pass them out, but to leave 50 in reserve for uh, anything that any of them do during the journey. So uh, Bob agrees to me and says, I'll check with uh, Sergeant McCreevy and get his input. And uh, the strip ends with uh, Brian Snot Bubble. Yeah, he ain't gonna pay them. Yeah, he, he's not gonna pay. Them. Yeah, he's gonna figure out a Give way. Give as to... many shares as you want, but they'll play hell collecting them. Has this ever happened to you? Okay, Tommy, you need to roll a twelve to hit and save the party's bacon. With my bonuses, that only makes an eight, baby. Oh, geez, a six. Don't leave critical roles to chance. When your party is counting on you, wield the best. Choose Black Oak Workshop Dice and Accessories. With over 175 products, the family-owned and operated Black Oak Workshop's thematic and innovative designs will jazz up your game. Let's try that again, Tommy, with Dice from Black Oak Workshop. Oh, Draco Lich, D20, don't fail me now! Natural 18, baby. Take that, foul beast. The lone kobold succumbs to your relentless assault. The day is won. Black Oak Workshop, official dice maker for Radio Free Muncie. Home of the original adventure calendar, Black Oak Workshop, where dice are treasure. Ask your game master about the 5% experience point bonus when using Black Oak Workshop dice and accessories. Side effects from Black Oak dice may include angry dungeon masters, more critical hits, shorter combats, increased envy levels from gaming friends, excessive boredom from too much winning. (laughs) 
So I'm really looking forward to the next one because I have to do some math, but we should probably we should probably call it. So issue seven next time and then wrap up Bag Wars after that. Yeah, and then so and we'll have a ra- nice round ten. So what do you guys wanna what do you guys wanna do? Well, it's dark. It's Miller time. Miller time, time, baby. <laughs> oh no, let's go find a bar where yeah. we can get tequila. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Forget pillar time. Or a nice blue moon with a, with a slice of orange. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I've never had a blue moon. Some uh, Jim Beam fire, Tennessee for... Oh, my God, dude. How can you drink that kind of whiskey, man? Oh, Cinnamon. Fantastic. Oh. fantastic. You are one effed up mother effer. Jeez. All right. Well, anyway, let's get out of here, man. Yep. It's getting late. listening to Radio Free Muncie. If you have a comment, you can leave it at our anchor site, or you can email us at radiofreemuncie at gmail.com. See you next time.